You know, there's a lot going on around here. There are a lot of needs, a lot of prayer concerns. There are a lot of activities, a lot of things that have happened recently, a lot of things that are about to happen. And we're excited about them all and are grateful for them all. Uh, Certainly join in Eric's comments appreciating our wonderful women's ministry and all of our ladies who are a part of the Ladies Inspiration Day and other activities that our our wonderful godly women here are a part of and in charge of and pull off. And we're uh, so grateful for for all of you. Uh, Another wonderful ministry we have here, many of us are involved in, is Douglas Elementary and have been for the last several years. Uh, We're going to be collecting some donations so that they can buy shirts for some of their poorer students who need to buy a new shirt because they've changed their school logo. And so now it's uh, amazing to most of us that $10 is too much for a family to afford to buy a shirt for their child. But that is the reality that many Douglas students face and their families. So if you want to be part of that, Sharon Beaver is going to have a, uh, a little bit of information out there. And also uh, you can give that to her or to me. And uh, we'll be glad if you have a check, mark it to Church of Christ here at West Irwin. But uh, mark in the memo that it is for Douglas. Um, of course, our hearts are also concerned uh, for the uh, students and staff and faculty and families of the Covenant School uh, in Nashville, where there was a, a horrible shooting and um, uh, several uh, died because of that uh, shooting. Six killed, three students and three uh, teachers or administrators. And so we want to hold them up. We have so many that have been devastated uh, with homes, with loss of life of loved ones from the storms that have passed through recently and Uh, We are concerned uh, for all of them as well. Joyce and I especially appreciate each of you for remembering our children, Brian and Amy Tyndall, and our grandchildren, uh, Samuel, Ella and Will, uh, in the loss of of, uh, their dear friend, um, a young 13 or 14-year-old girl, and uh, their hearts mourn for Quinn Nelson and for all of their family. This, This is a family that was very enmeshed with each other and in each other's lives. They were in each other's homes all the time. They did everything together. They were taking a vacation in Texas together. We're going to meet up here from Maryland when uh, uh, the Nelsons had that tragic accident late, late Wednesday night uh, near Memphis. So please continue to keep that family in your prayers. We appreciate that. And of course, um, the Holt family as well, also having lost a daughter and a sister, and so our hearts and prayers are with them. Through this time, that memorial service, there's information about that in the bulletin, but that service is tomorrow morning uh, at Lloyd James here in town. Um, of course, the process of selecting more elders and deacons, we're so excited to have more added to the, to the workforce. Um, I was telling one of them, uh, Wednesday night when I saw him, I said, you realize what this means? This means that your name is just higher on my list of people to call when I need something. <laughs> so thank you for that. And uh, we do have wonderful men and women in this church that lead us and shepherd us and help us and serve us. And uh, we are very, very uh, blessed indeed. And of course, leadership training for Christ. Yes, that's what that LTC stands for. Leadership Training for Christ. We have a lot of students that are involved in that. Tucker and Elizabeth, of course, are at the forefront of this. Tucker has done a wonderful job organizing all of this. And 
Um, that will be this coming weekend in Dallas, but there's been weeks and weeks of preparation. So I really, truly hope that you'll be here tonight at 5 p.m. And you'll see some of these uh, kids that are participating. Uh, we'll have drama, we'll have chorus, we'll have puppets, we'll have a, a speaker or two. And afterwards, we'll have sandwiches that you will bring. <laughs> so it'll be a great, great evening tonight. And the presentation won't last long, and then we'll have uh, some time to share and to uh, give our kids uh, a great deal of encouragement. Um, you know, I wrote the first line of this sermon before all of the events of this week happened. Sometimes it seems like our week looks like the week Jesus had when he rode into Jerusalem for the last time. Today is what many call Palm Sunday. It is the day of, uh, leads into the week where Jesus was ultimately uh, betrayed and denied and forsaken and tried and convicted and put to death and then raised from the dead. Um, and so that week was tumultuous. It had highs and lows and um, some of the highs were very high, including this entry into Jerusalem, what some call the triumphal entry and it was a it was a wonderful moment in jesus life and everybody loved him and they were uh singing praises to him our song uh i will enter his gates taken from the psalms and also uh hosanna uh that corresponds with those things that everyone was saying when jesus entered jerusalem for the last time and so some weeks that we have seem like that and uh, some weeks that we have maybe less so but it seems like these last several days have had some highs and also some very deep lows. And so as we think of, of all of these things and we come to the end of this series, we've been using as a resource Sarah Barrett's wonderful book, Stand Up, Stand Strong. And I appreciate the kind things that Eric and, and Jay and so many of you have shared as we've gone through uh, this series. And, um, and so today, as we finish this study, let's ask ourselves, what happens now? What happens now? One of the things that uh, we ask ourselves when we're preparing sermons or preparing lessons is, so what? So this is great knowledge, Bill. This is great information. Thank you for helping us maybe to know a little bit about more about what, what this, these issues are, uh, what's going on. And so today the question is, what happens now? It's the, it's the so what? What do we do with this part in our uh, class this morning, uh, we, we asked the question, okay, this is all great and good and praying is good and, and that's very important and I'll talk more about that in a few minutes, but what, what am I doing to try to help? To try to help our culture, to try to help our community, to try to help individuals, some of whom are in my own family, who struggle with some of the questions and issues that we've been talking about throughout these last few months. And I think it's important for us to ask that question, what happens now? And I hope one thing that happens now is that you will not be uh, so afraid to join in to some of those conversations and maybe be a little bit more prepared, not just with the knowledge, but also the reminder to do that with love and consideration and respect and humility. But to do that, but to do that. And maybe I said that wrong. Maybe the goal was not to make you less afraid. Maybe the goal was just to make you act in spite of your fears. <laughs> because isn't that what courage is? 
If you're not afraid, it doesn't take any courage. These have been hard questions and hard issues, and I certainly haven't had all the answers. Probably have generated more questions. But we need to ask ourselves, what happens now? What do I do with this? We are called to be witnesses, to make disciples, to be ambassadors for Christ. That's our calling. That's our mission. To be witnesses, Jesus told us in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, before he ascended, you are to be my witnesses in your immediate area, in the surrounding area, to the very end of the world, very end of the earth. We are to be disciples. Jesus called us to be disciples. And we are to be involved. We are to be disciples who make disciples. The Great Commission in Matthew 28 calls us to do that. To go and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And I'll be with you through it all. Jesus says. He wants us to be disciples making disciples, sharing that message, engaging in those conversations, planting the seeds that maybe God won't act on for a long, long time, but planting them nonetheless, knowing that he will. And then to be ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 says that's what we are. We are ambassadors for Christ, imploring people be reconciled to God. That's our calling. That's our purpose. That's our mission. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but we don't get an exemption simply because today that's unpopular, risky, and difficult. <laughs> we, just, we just don't. Jesus doesn't get us, give us a get-out-of-witnessing-free card <laughs> because it's hard. In fact, it's just the opposite. We recognize that this is a spiritual battle we're in, just as Jay shared. And James, as we gathered around the table, brought us back to the very beginning when God created it with a wonderful vision of what it would be like. And then Satan came through and uh, Adam and Eve fell. And, they, and now we've all fell, fallen and, and sinned. And we live in a fallen world and it makes this hard. It makes this hard to be witnesses, to be disciples, who make disciples, to be ambassadors, imploring others to be reconciled to God. One of the things Eric shared, and I did listen to uh, his sermon, he came in on me in my office this week and said, you're not really listening to that, are you? <laughs> you're not really watching that, are you? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I watch his, I don't watch mine. I it would shatter my self-esteem if I watched mine. I, I just can't do it. Um, but one of the things he said is that living out Christ's truth in this world won't be easy. And, and that's true. And, it, and that shouldn't surprise us. We've said all along throughout this series that Jesus said over and over and over again in the Gospels, this is going to be hard. People are not going to go out of their way to try to respond uh, positively to your message. In fact, just the opposite. People are going to think they're serving God by making your life miserable because of this message. But we should view that as an opportunity to make a difference in a world for which Jesus died. He came to this earth knowing exactly what it would mean, and yet he did it. 
And now we have the opportunity to share the love and word of Christ as well. In your sermon outline on the, in the bulletin, you'll see that there are a, a lot of scriptures there and they're arranged by line Monday through Saturday. And so I would encourage you to read through those scriptures each day this week. To read through just those scriptures tomorrow on Monday that are listed there. And if you want to jump ahead, go ahead. But read through each of those. And I realize it's LTC week, so that's going to be hard for some. But at the same time, it's not going to take you very long. It's not a whole lot of scriptures. But you'll see on each line some scriptures that spend off of today's message. But also kind of look back on a lot of the things that we've shared. And call us to take our worldview to the world. It is not to end with us. God has given us this great message. He's given us this great salvation. But that has never been intended to be the end of it. Rather, he has called us to be witnesses, to make disciples, to be ambassadors. Even when that's hard. Even when the message is unpopular. Even when to speak out is risky. Even when it's difficult. So, today a few helpful tactics. A few helpful tactics. Number one, do your homework. Do your homework. And again, not just to learn it, but to learn how to apply it. To learn how to use it. Because it's not just about how much you know, but it's about what you're willing to do with what you know. How you're willing to share it. How you're willing to expose other people to this knowledge. In this series, we've talked a lot about truth versus being in a post-truth environment. And I think that's a great description of the United States in the 21st century. This post-truth culture that we're in. And yet for us, we don't believe that. We believe there is a truth. It's called God's Word. It's the Bible, and so we seek to know it, first of all, and then we seek to live it out, secondly, in our lives, and then we seek to share it with others. With love, yes, with respect, yes, with consideration, yes, with humility, yes, but to share it, to be witnesses, to be disciples, making disciples, to be ambassadors for Christ. And so after the, the sermon, we'll sing the song, Ancient Words. It's kind of an odd choice for an invitation song. I wonder, Rusty, if you thought that when you uh, considered that. But, I, but I, I think that's ideal for the end of this series. We go back to those ancient words. Do your homework. Secondly, ask good questions. Stephen Covey's... Uh, Uh, One of his uh, seven habits of highly effective people to seek first to understand, then to be understood. We, We tend to jump into being understood. I've got to make my point. And as we're sitting there and we're listening, our blood is, our blood pressure is getting higher and higher, and the hair on the back of our neck is standing up higher and higher, and, and we're getting more and more upset, but that's a, What we're doing in that moment is two things. Number one, we're trying to understand what this person has been through that has brought them to this point in their life where they believe this. And then secondly, we're trying to tell them that we care. 
That we don't just care about being right and proving them wrong. That we care about them just as they are. Because so does Jesus. And he died for them just as they are. And he died for us just as we are. Ask good questions is the way to do that. Why would you feel that way? What are, is there anything that's happened in your life that has brought that point home? Ask good questions. Number three, differentiate between arguments and assertions. Assertions are just opinions. Oh, I believe this, or I think that. And that's fine for people to say, it's fine for us to say, but anybody can say anything there. Differentiate between arguments and assertions. Arguments are valid assertions, but that are backed up. That there are reasons why this is something that I believe. And so you get out there in Never Never Land where everybody says anything, and that seems to be the, the uh, policy today. You don't have to back anything up. You don't have to prove anything. In a post-truth society, you can say and believe anything, and so can everybody else. But in God's Word, that's not the case. And in our lives, we understand that's not the case. It's not the case for us. It's not the case for this world that God has created. Number four, don't try to win the argument. And so our desire is to converse, not coerce. It's to be involved in persuading, not manipulating. Because I think when we do that, people get that and they understand it and the radar goes off and they shut down. And they don't care how right we are because we have communicated to them that we just don't care about them. We care about winning the argument. Our goal is to win the soul, not win the argument. That's the ultimate goal. And too many times we have won the argument and the soul has walked right out never to come back. In the book, Sarah Barrett writes, don't make it your goal to prove them wrong in one conversation. Instead, put a stone in their shoe. One of the writers, she quotes, says, put a stone in their shoe. Give them something to think about. I believe that our job is to plant and water, and it's God's job to make it grow. And that's straight out of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 3. I planted, Apollos watered. But God made it grow. That doesn't give us permission not to do our job, not to plant, not to water. In this chapter, Sarah Barrett writes, I focus on being faithful, but I trust God to be effective. Number five, stay humble throughout the conversation. We've looked at several scriptures that call us to be humble, including 1 Peter 3 that says, always be ready to answer, but do that with gentleness and respect. Galatians 6, go to that brother or sister that's caught in a sin, but do that with humility, considering your own sins as well. Next, be encouraged by heroes of the faith, then and now. And Hebrews 11, of course, is that great honor roll of faith. And they're all the, not all of them, but many of the Bible heroes that are in that chapter. That we can be encouraged by them. Many times their, uh, their work was difficult. It was a hard journey that they were on to maintain that faith. And, and, and yet they endured. And they did not endure faultlessly or sinlessly because they were human beings just like we are. And that also gives us encouragement. And then in the book, she lists a few examples of individuals that 
that were heroic in standing for truth. She mentions the students of the White Rose, five college students and their professor who distributed six leaflets in Nazi Germany in 1942 and 1943, and all were killed for it. All were killed for it. But after their deaths, others took up their call and continued to publish and print and release those pamphlets. Even the Royal Air Force distributed millions of them. They made a difference, these college-age young people. She mentions Lila Rose, who is probably the premier pro-life voice out there. At nine years old, nine years old, she saw a picture of what an aborted baby looks like, and it changed her life at nine years old. And from then on, she committed her life to understanding that more and learning more about it. And uh, at, at, the age, at age 15, she formed Live Action, which is, again, the premier pro-life group out there, getting that message out there. At the age of 18, she began going undercover and making videos of Planned Parenthood and their abortion policies. Another example they give is William and Catherine Booth. William Booth, the founder of East London Christian Mission, and that later became the Salvation Army. And he began that work that was his passion to help them with their physical needs, but also with their spiritual needs. That started when he was 15 years old. When asked what made their mission so successful, William said this, I will tell you the secret. God has had all there was of me. And that gets back to what Eric shared earlier. Have we given God everything? God has had all there was of me. So who are your heroes? If I were to ask you to list three or four or five heroes in your lifetime that have been spiritual mentors that you still uh, are encouraged by, who would they be? Who would they be? But perhaps an even more important question for us today is, would you be on anyone's list today? Have you been involved in someone's life? Have you been an influencer with someone so much so that if I were to ask them, give me three or four names of people that have really impacted your life, that have really been good examples for Christ, that have helped you spiritually, would any of them have your name in their mind? I hope so. Lastly today, God will not settle for mediocre, otherwise known as lukewarm. (laughs) The biblical word for that is lukewarm. And you know the passage is taken right out of Revelation 3. Chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, the seven letters to the seven churches of Asia, the far western part of modern day Turkey. And one of those letters was to the church at Laodicea who looked like they were rich and doing well. But Jesus said, inside you're poor and you're dead. And he told them this, you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, he says. But you're not, you're lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, I'm going to do what? Spit you out of my mouth. Jesus literally says that. God will not settle for lukewarm. He'll not settle for mediocre. Barrett writes, in many ways, we've settled for mediocre. We've looked at the culture with its confusion, pain, and immorality and called it too broken, too far gone, too hard. While we retreated into the corner with the one thing that has the power to transform it all. And no, that's not the person running for president in 2024. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the only answer. 
And I agree with that. We've compromised our commitment to truth and weakened the power of the gospel we proclaim. As a result, our lives have begun to look more like the world and less like Christ. Culture can be transformed only by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's time we stepped back into our role as conveyors and ambassadors of this good news. We've settled for mediocre too long. It's not enough to just know the truth. We have to put truth into action. Here's the thing. If our goal is political, there are a hundred thousand other people that could do that, that have our exact conviction. But who will carry this message if we don't? No one. No one. Politics come and go. Leaders come and go. Nations come and go. But the word of God endures forever. And that's the word that we have. Oswald Chambers writes, whenever we insist that God should give us an answer to prayer, we're off track. The purpose of prayer, he says, is that we get a hold of God, not a hold of the answer. You see, the power of prayer is not prayer itself. Though the act of praying gives us a lot of encouragement for those who pray, it gives encouragement to those who are the recipients of those prayers. But that's not the power of prayer. The power of prayer is the one to whom we pray. The power of prayer is the one who is on the throne. We recognize that our prayers will not always be answered with a yes. But if those prayers are connecting us with the one who truly is in control of this world. And our faith and trust in him continue to grow. Then the challenges we face today will not overcome us. We will continue to have that victory in Jesus that we sing about occasionally. You've heard me say it many times. I've come to believe two things about God. What are they? Number one, I believe God exists. And number two, I'm not him. And neither are you. Do we trust in that God? When we look around and we see the difficulties that we face, we see the seemingly insurmountable evil in our world. Do we trust God? In the midst of that. Prayer leads us to that God. Four crucial questions then as we close. Number one. Will we sacrifice our foremost calling. For secondary substitutes. And some of those secondary substitutes are really important. And I believe in them. But they're not number one in my life. Secondly, will we be his hands and feet or will we lock up our love? Will we not only pray that God would make a difference in our culture and in our communities today, but will we actually seek to be that difference? However that looks in whatever he's calling us to do and whoever he's pointing us to engage. Number three, will we faithfully live out the message or will we compromise our standards? Will we rationalize to avoid the difficulties and say, no, 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 I I, I think maybe God's word doesn't say that when we know it does. And number four, will we love comfort or Christ? Are we willing to get out of our comfort zones to go where God leads us? To be his ambassadors. 
to make disciples, to be obedient witnesses. Culture is drowning in a sea of lies. That's the post-truth reality. Our culture is drowning in a sea of lies. The time for truth-telling is now. The time for going back to these ancient words and learning them, knowing them, living them, sharing them. That time is now. Jesus told his disciples, look, look around. In a world every bit as difficult, maybe more than now. <laughs> the first century Roman Empire. He said, look around. The fields are white for harvest. They're ready. All you've got to do is look. All you've got to do is be brave enough to get down there and harvest. And to plant and water in order to make that happen. What we might see as great challenges and dangers, God sees as great opportunities to be witnesses, to be salt and light, to live out and proclaim the love and word of Christ, the truth, the truth and grace of God. If you need encouragement and prayer today to do that, we're all called to do that. Come as we remind ourselves of these ancient words. Let's stand and sing our song.